I could use a little more sugar. Ruth, what are you doing? Those are dog cookies. Why are you making dog cookies? <laughs> well, as inspired by your videos that you're making, and I thought I would do my own act of kindness and make some doggy cookies and peanut butter cookies and spread some love at the dog park. Okay, let's go. Frankie, you ready to go to the dog park? I'm just wanting to spread some love. <laughs> fun interrupting people's lives this last week. I was encouraged by it and I hope you were encouraged too. Maybe you can take a chance to spread some peace, some love, some joy, some hope. Because you never know how much a small act can make such a huge difference in someone's lives. And yours too. Greetings to all of you. I want to Welcome all of us at Center Street Church to this final worship service weekend of the year. And those of you joining us online, uh, we are excited to have you and grateful for technology that can be leveraged for God's purposes. There was talk in the media about Christmas being canceled this year. Of course, they are alluding to all the restrictions that are in place and our inability to have big celebrations now, even I've caught myself saying, it just doesn't feel like Christmas this year. Christmas is so low-key. Now, I want you to know that Christmas cannot be canceled. The word Christmas simply means celebration of Christ. And that cannot be canceled. No matter our circumstances, we celebrate that the Lord has come. And because He has come, our lives are no longer the same. The darker the times, the brighter the message of Christmas will shine. And this season of Advent is a season of hope, joy, peace, love. Our world desperately needs these very qualities. Oh, what an unbelievably crazy year we've had. Sometimes it just feels like a bad dream, isn't it? 2020 will go down in history and will not be forgotten for a very long time. Oh, each year, the Oxford English Dictionary announces the word of the year. They come up with that one word that captures the trend or pulse of the year. In 2018, it was the word toxic. It came to the top, particularly in light of the Me Too movement. In 2019, climate emergency made the cut, call it the Greta Thunberg effect. Uh, but this year, 2020, Oxford Dictionary stated that they could not come up with a single word that best describes this year. In my word, the word that best describes 2020 is the word bummer. The year we all looked forward to for a very, very long time has completely let us down. 
Now we have to agree, 2020 is not a year that could neatly be accommodated into one single word of the year category. So much has happened, so many twists and turns that you can write numerous volumes of books just to capture all that has happened this year. And think about it, words that we have used commonly this year that have become part of our core language didn't exist previously in our vocabulary. Not long ago, Corona was a can of beer for crying out loud, not a virus. And add to it words like pandemic, social distancing, quarantine. Well, last year, if someone told me, can you unmute yourself? I'll be offended. What do you mean by that? But now all that is normal. What else is normal? Working from home wearing your PJs. Now be sure to try on your pants now and then just to make sure they fit. As someone wisely said, PJs will have you believe that all is well in the kingdom. <laughs> you know, we have called our Advent series this year Divine Interruptions. If we think our lives have been interrupted, 2,000 years ago, the first Christmas was an interruption of normalcy, disruption of the predictable course of events. When Jesus, the Son of God, left the glories of heaven to enter into our world, it was a divine interruption. God interrupted the lives of people because he was unfolding a special story, the greatest story of all, Jesus coming into this world to rescue us from the power of sin and death. And this interruption was God's invitation to us to be part of his story, a story that will give perspective to ours. So one of the interruptions that we are seeing in our world today are also an invitation from God to align ourselves to a new script, a new story that he is writing. When Jesus interrupted the first century world through his coming, he brought gifts of hope, joy, peace, and love. And our world that has been shaken by this global pandemic desperately needs those very qualities. A hurting world needs hope. A grieving world needs joy. A divided world needs peace. An isolated world needs love. And for your information, these gifts are not available in a shopping mall or on Amazon. Only God, through Jesus, can infuse us once again with His hope, joy, peace, and love. And through this Advent series, we've been focusing on each of these attributes. And today, I want to focus on the last one, God's gift of unconditional love, as He took the initiative to reach out to us. Now, the text that we're going to look at today is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it, 
and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, in dark times, we turn to your word. We thank you for the light that it sheds. Your word indeed is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Even now, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will speak to us through your inspired word. You'll cause these words to come alive in our hearts and help us to grasp your unconditional love like we have never before. Open our eyes and our hearts. May we be receptive to what you have to say to us. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The State of Theology Survey is conducted by a well-known Christian ministry in the United States every two years. They asked this question this year to people, who is Jesus? And over half of them expressed that Jesus was a great teacher, but rejected the claim that he's God. And an even higher number of people who are churchgoers hold on to the view that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God the Father. Now, I can guarantee you, if you were to do the same survey here in Canada, the numbers will be even higher. Was Jesus just a good teacher? Was he a created being? Not so, according to the Apostle John, a disciple of Jesus who was writing this letter to the first century church. John clearly affirms that Jesus is not a created being. He is eternal. John says, Jesus has always been there from the very beginning before time began. If you've read the Gospel of John, it begins with similar words, as does the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God. The Bible has God as its starting point. The Apostle John is intentionally stating that Jesus is the starting point, and in doing so, he's making him on par with God. The beginning is a reference to the pre-existence of Christ. Like God, there never was a time Jesus wasn't around. And at a particular point in history, the Word took on flesh and He appeared as a human. The incarnation of Jesus is the foundation of Christian teaching. C.S. Lewis, a great thinker, viewed this as the greatest miracle of all. But to the Gnostic teachers of the first century, the eternal Son of God having flesh and blood was unthinkable. But to John, this was the heart of the salvation message. The supreme evidence of God's love is seen in the incarnation. God took on flesh and blood to become one among us. The eternal word became 
the human Jesus. This life was manifest in a human body. So Jesus in his incarnation was 100% God and 100% man. Jesus wasn't just another messenger like other religions have. But this is God himself coming into our world to express his love personally. Only in the Christian faith, the love of God is not just a theoretical concept, but this is something that was demonstrated practically. If you hear this and you say to yourself, what's the big deal about that? Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and here we are in 2020, reeling from the consequences of a horrific year, battling a global pandemic, a plummeting economy, wrestling with race issues and political chaos and social unrest. How can anything that happened 2,000 years ago can possibly be of any relevance for today? If that's what you're thinking, then you don't understand the Christmas story. When God stepped into our world, He didn't stay in an ivory tower, living a pristine life surrounded by luxury and comfort. He did not stay clear from the mire and muck of this world. No. Jesus left the comfort of heaven to enter into a world of suffering and heartbreaks. Jesus came not as a privileged person, but he came as a brown-skinned Middle Eastern Jewish refugee born to an unwed mother in a poor rural area whose family flees in the middle of the night because of a massive genocide that was taking place. That is the Christmas story. And this is not the hallmark version of Jesus that we have been acquainted with, a Jesus of our own creation. The historical biblical Jesus, the real Jesus, can fully identify with our grieving in the middle of this pandemic because he knows what it means to experience pain. He embraced suffering. The Apostle John knew this Jesus personally. John is speaking here in our text of his sensory experience. He is an eyewitness of Jesus. Look at the opening verses. First John 1 verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John the apostle, who walked with Jesus for over three and a half years, attests to the fact that he has heard, seen, and even touched Jesus. The claims of the Christian faith is historical. Christmas is not a fairy tale story or a legend concocted by someone, but this actually happened, and that's what makes it so credible. The coming of Jesus is rooted in history. And in our text, John uses two different words concerning 
the sense of sight. John says, we have seen with our eyes and we have looked at. That word looked at means fixing your gaze on something when you marvel at it. So John is saying here, he didn't have a momentary glimpse of Jesus like some kind of a mystical vision, but Jesus was a living reality. John could speak with confidence and with authority about Jesus' existence because he and the other apostles lived with Jesus and knew him inside out. They were eyewitnesses of his life, his ministry, his teachings, his miracles, his death, and his glorious resurrection. Now, this was so memorable that even though John was writing now 50 to 60 years after his experience with Jesus, he uses the perfect tense to convey the idea of his past experience with Jesus. We have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at, and our hands have touched. That experience was still vivid, impactful, and real, even with the passing of time. Now, what was the effect it had on the apostles? Their experience of Jesus convinced them of the authenticity of the gospel and the need to take this message to the ends of the earth. Against all odds and oppositions, they proclaimed that God has acted decisively in Christ to save the world. And this message was being handed over from one generation to another. Now, someone may wonder, it makes sense that the apostles saw Jesus, they had a personal experience, but what about us? We live generations past this historical event. Can we also be certain of Jesus' existence? Or are we merely basing this on the testimony of the apostles? Now, the answer to that question can be found in what John is saying next. This is the good news of Christmas, God's personal offer of a relationship. Look at verse 3. John says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So John is not just bragging about his experience with Jesus, but he's saying all of us can experience the same fellowship. The word fellowship actually is not the best translation because we today use it superficially. The original Greek word koinonia means unity in the sense of a partnership. That is how we are to experience God, and that is our experience with others who are our fellow believers. We are called to live in close relationship with God and in close relationship with those around us. We were not made for physical distancing. We can put up with it temporarily, but we cannot survive in the long run. If there's anything this pandemic has taught us, this is it. We need God, and we need our fellow people. The origin, yeah, praise God. 
you know, the original apostles of Jesus were not the only ones who had this deep experience with Jesus. Our experience of Jesus today is no less. Jesus is not an absentee God who has departed. The ascension of Jesus to heaven is not a termination of his presence. Jesus is with us through his spirit. In fact, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to bring the presence of Jesus to us. He is the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit opens our hearts and our eyes to taste and feel and experience Jesus as if he is here with us. So it is possible to have a vibrant experience with Jesus today through His Spirit and participate in the abundant life that He offers us. That is what makes the Christian faith an adventure with God and not another dull religion. The question is, who is Jesus to you? Is He someone, a historical figure from the dusty pages of history? Or is he a personal savior with whom you have a dynamic living relationship? Christmas makes fellowship with God possible for every single person in this world who is truly seeking. No other religion offers you such a gift. The new age spirituality that is so popular in North America merely reduces God to an impersonal force. You cannot have a relationship with an impersonal force. An impersonal force cannot feel or think or express love. The religion of Islam may have a high concept of God But God is so transcendent that it is almost blasphemy to think of God in personal terms. Buddhism is becoming more and more popular in the Western world, but at the heart of it, this is an atheistic religion. Here's a quote from a popular Buddhist website. Listen to this. There is no almighty God in Buddhism. There's no one to hand out rewards or punishments on a supposedly judgment day. Buddhism is strictly not a religion in the context of being a faith and worship, owing allegiance to a supernatural being. In stark contrast to all of these religions of the world, is the Christian faith that presents the idea of a personal God. What is God really like? All that you need to know about God is revealed in Jesus. If you want to know the true character of God, then Jesus is his reflection. The Christmas story presents to us the infinite length God went for us to experience him personally. And as you reflect at the end of this chaotic year, The things that we have put our security in have been taken away from us. Health, economy, entertainment, travel, our aspirations and dreams for the future have all been put on hold 
and we are swirling in the uncertainties of the future. But when we turn to God, we find that He is not far away watching a world in mess from a safe distance. But He is right here with us as our Emmanuel, a God who is on our side, a God who walks with you every step of the way. That is the true character of the God of Christmas. Yes, this has been a challenging year. But I tell you, if you have Jesus as the foundation of your life, you can stand strong even if everything around you is falling apart. You know, I don't know what 2021 holds, but I present to you a Savior who is well able to sustain you no matter what the year may bring. A word that is repeated in our text here is the word life. Call it Apostle John's favorite word. And when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's not just talking about never-ending life, something that is just ongoing. If you have a miserable life, the last thing you want is for it to go on and on. When the Bible speaks of eternal life, it is speaking of a quality of life that Jesus offers us, and it starts now in the present. When you know the love of God, that you are valued and cherished, then you're filled with meaning and purpose. Jesus is no longer a distant figure, but you experience him daily. You hear his voice as you read the Bible. You see him in your life because he's at work and his presence becomes tangible as you learn to worship. Now that kind of life is primarily about quality. This is the life God originally intended for us and you can experience it now in the present through Jesus. And this life will grow sweeter and brighter and will continue on and on even after we leave this dwelling place here on earth. Now there's another word that occurs frequently in our text and it's the word proclaim. Look at this in verse one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. In verse two, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Verse three, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. When you have the life of God in you, and you're energized and strengthened by the fellowship of other believers around you, then how can you not proclaim this life-changing message about Jesus to those around you? We proclaim Christ's love both in our word and in our deeds. Both go hand in hand. Proclamation is a confident declaration of a believing community of our experience of Jesus. It is an invitation to the world around us to find their treasures in Christ. 
Christian fellowship is never limited or exclusive. There's always room for more. Proclamation and seeking to introduce others to Jesus is at the very heart of our faith. So that's what we do during this Advent season. We proclaim confidently that Jesus has come and he offers us hope, joy, peace, love. Let me close with this. Years ago, when I was pastoring a little church in the northwestern part of India, we were staying in a small rented house. The house owner had sent a carpenter to do some woodwork in the house. I started talking to this carpenter guy and found out that he was a migrant laborer, originally from a small village in the eastern part of India. He had made it to this city, which was on the other side of the country. This man couldn't read or write, totally an illiterate. And we had a picture of Jesus hanging on the wall. And I pointed my finger to that picture and I asked him a question. Do you know who this is? The man just shook his head. He didn't know. He had absolutely no clue who this was. And that moment, it hit me hard. This man had never heard about Jesus. No idea of who Jesus was. From a little village in the eastern part of India, he had somehow made it to the other side of the country. And I'm from the southern part of India, and I traveled about 2,000 kilometers to make it to this city in the northwestern part. And we had rented several houses because we were asked to leave and people found out that we were Christians. And here we were in this particular house, and the house owner would hire this man to do this job. And that afternoon, I happened to be home that we could actually have this face-to-face conversation. Now think about it. Do you know how much coordination it takes to make something like this happen? How many sets of combinations need to fall in place for this moment to actually materialize? God, who's the master of the entire universe, orchestrated this opportunity for us to meet that day so that this illiterate man who has never heard about Jesus can hear that salvation is available only by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. That sums Christmas to me. That sums Christmas to me. God cares for the least and the broken, and he reaches out to them in his love. Christmas is about a God who keeps bridging the gap. Even though there was a wide chasm between us and God, and our deliberate choices have taken us far from him, God willingly entered into our world. It was not our initiative, it was his. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter five, verse eight, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
The reason God sent Jesus was not that we deserved it, but because he is full of love. And when you feel uncertain about God's love, if you ever wonder, can God ever love me after all that I have done? Here's the answer. While you were still a sinner, Jesus demonstrated his highest love for you. He didn't wait for you to clean up. He didn't say, I'll love you when you get your act together. When you were knee deep in sin, when your heart was far from God, and when you had no interest in spiritual things, and you're bent on going your own way, Jesus loved you, and he died for you. The distance and the chasm that between us and God was wide, but the cross of Christ has bridged the gap. And the God of Christmas doesn't stop there. Not only has he made the way for us to have a personal relationship with him, but he's actively giving us opportunities by interrupting our lives. He doesn't leave us to go our own path, but he comes seeking for us. Unlike the man that I met in India who had never heard about Jesus, I doubt anyone at the sound of my voice today would fall in this category. But let me ask you, you think you know about Jesus, but do you really know him? Do you know him like the Apostle John? Could you testify that you have heard Jesus' voice? That you have encountered his presence? That you have seen him and you cannot take your eyes off him because Jesus is so glorious to you? Are you overflowing with his love and you cannot wait to share this news with others? Friend, if that is not true of you, perhaps you have not experienced Jesus the way you should. And as we come to the end of a year and enter into a new year, this is a good time to prioritize your walk with God and say, Lord, this coming year, I want to know you more. I want you to be the rock-solid foundation of my life. I'm going to ask you to stand as we are coming to an end. The worship team is going to lead us in a powerful song. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. The question that is dominant in the minds of so many people is, what is 2021 going to be like? So many are obsessed with that. But I have a more important question for you. What are you building your life on? What is the foundation of your life? If 2021 were to be another challenging year, do you have a foundation that can carry you through? 
that'll keep you stable and strong and not be moved by the circumstances surrounding you? This is a time for you to honestly evaluate and ask God to help you to fall once again in love with Jesus and say, Jesus, no matter what the year may bring, I want you to be that firm, unshakable foundation of my life.